Behold, behold, behold the pale podcast. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being, God damn it. My life has value. My life has value. My life has value. Behold the Pale Podcast. Alright, folks, welcome back to another episode of Behold, 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 a Pale Podcast. With your hosts, myself, Matt, we have Alex and we have Ray. We're doing a bit. We're all getting crazy. This is our uh, first episode of 2021. How you guys doing over there? Not bad. We, uh... Today's uh, episode, we're diving into a little music act, a uh, little musical act uh, with the great Sam Cooke. Anybody out there, you know, that gets down with this, Sam Cooke's uh, the dude, you know what I mean? Everybody love him, a change gone come type stuff. I know my favorite songs are probably Summertime and um, You Thrill Me, uh, but You Send Me is the name of the track. But yeah. That and Summertime are my favorite jams. Um, what do you guys, did you guys have any history with Sam Cooke as a fan or anything in the past before doing research or is this kind of a, a new, a new find? Uh, well, I heard a little bit of music, but moved on to other things. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I like a few of his songs. I, I never, you know, really focus on him as as a um singer i I mean for me i really never followed groups or singers themselves i always followed songs i liked and i liked a few of his songs and he's definitely a very talented artist um and uh i have to admit i didn't know much about him until i started doing research for uh for this uh podcast and I didn't know it, and anything other than, you know, that he did a few songs and that I liked them. But, uh, yeah, I really didn't know much about him. Yeah. The King of Soul. Born Samuel Cook, January 22nd, 1931. Clarksdale, Mississippi. You know what I mean? Uh, died December 11th, 1964. Gunshot to the chest in Los Angeles, California. 
Um, very questionable, mysterious circumstances. Age 33. Um, that's a tough year. Isn't that the year Jesus died? No comparison, of course. But isn't that the year, uh, isn't there like a, a, a cursed, isn't that 33 one of those cursed years? Like the um, I don't know. If, I mean, I know that uh, Jesus uh, supposedly died like in his 30s. I know that a few other, um, you know, famous people who have either committed suicide or, you know, died under, you know, suspicious circumstances uh, were in their 30s. I, th- I think 30 actually is kind of um, a kind of a common age uh, bracket where, you know, where a lot of that happens. I don't know why, but uh, it seems to be, at least from what I've I've heard, that... Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, th- thirty third. I think a thirty third degree Mason, of course, since we're on Behold the Pill podcast. But I also, much like I believe twenty seven, there's like a twenty seven club with like Kurt Cobain, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin. Um, but I wanted to say that thirty three was uh, like another age that a lot of people popped off at, which would almost make sense uh, if it was to be Illumin- an Illuminati thing. Taking, they're putting out hits on people when they're thirty-three, taking their souls in their prime. In that case, I'm safe. I'm thirty-nine. I I passed the thirty-three bracket. <laughs> uh, not on the Mayan calendar, though. Uh, you're thirty-three. You just turned thirty-three today in the Mayan calendar, Huck. Now you're uh-oh. in trouble. Uh oh. We won't talk about careful. that. Alex got a big trip coming up. This is the first, This is the 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 last episode before Alex takes a big old trip. Where are you going, Alex? Tell the world. Tell the masses. I am going to Romania. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, Romania? What? Huh? Crazy. Especially during this time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to Romania. I got uh, cast in a uh, film that's shooting over there. And I'm really psyched about uh, being a part of it. Can't really say a lot about it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, not until I get the uh, AOK from the uh, director and the producers. But, uh, yeah, so, and this is the first time I'm traveling outside the country. So, this is going to definitely be a learning experience uh, for me to, uh, to leave uh, the safe and comfort of the U.S. of A. and uh, going abroad. We're all proud of the Alexander going over there and doing it big over there. And uh, yeah, what's with Dracul? Just be careful of Dracul. <laughs> Right, Ray? I was going to say, you can take a side trip while you're over there to Transylvania. Check that out. Hey, that's your way on Mostly Ghostly. You've been trying to figure out a way to get on Mostly Ghostly for years. There's your, yeah. there's your ticket in, live and direct from Transylvania. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Transylvania. You know, I, I support that. So back to our, our, our topic at hand of Sam Cook. But we all do wish great things for Alex. Why, thank you. You know what I mean? You know the K, the King of Soul. Um, you know, pioneer, pioneer. You know his contributions to the soul music contributed to the rise of uh, Aretha Franklin, Bobby Womack, Al Green, Curtis Mayfield, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, and Billy Preston, uh, and the populated works of Otis Redding and James Brown. Um, he was the inventor. They claimed to be uh, his biographer claimed called him the inventor of soul music. You know what I mean? He possessed an incredible natural singing voice of smooth and effortless uh, proportions. You know what I mean? 
and he does. Anybody who wears his songs, he definitely that that the the um the voice is definitely um you know there's no comparison with anybody else. It, it's it is smooth as silk, baby, smooth as silk. All right, so Cook was born, Samuel Cook, in Clarksdale, Mississippi, 1931, as we said before. He added the E to his last name in 1957 to signify a new start to his life. Um, Everybody needs one every now and then, you know what I mean? Uh, The fifth of eight children of the Reverend Charles Cook, a minister in the Church of Christ, and his wife, Ann May, uh, one of his younger brothers, L.C., um, later became a member of the doo band Johnny Keys and the Magnificence. For anybody out there that knows, I love me some doo for sure. Big fan. Uh, the family moved to Chicago in 1933, the year of King Kong. Cook attended Doolittle Elementary, you know, didn't we all? And uh, Wendell Phillips Academy High School in Chicago, the same school that Nat King Cole had attended a few years earlier. Uh, Cook began his career with his siblings in a group called the Sing Children when he was six years old. He first became known as a lead singer with the Highway QCs when he was a teenager, having joined the group at the age of 14. Um, During this time, Cook befriended fellow gospel singer and neighbor Lou Rawls, who sang in the rival gospel group. You know, around this time, this is he got involved with um, the Soul Stirrers, which was like a popular kind of group at the time. Had songs like Jesus, Jesus Gave Me Water, uh, How Far Am I From Canaan, um, Jesus Paid the Debt, One More River. Um, they were kind of a big deal, you know what I mean, during their time. And, um, you know, after he left that group, I know he became a big, bigger deal. That's where he had, you know, The majority of his hits that he's kind of known for, you got songs like, you know, You Send Me, which I like, Summertime mentioned earlier, Only 16, Cupid, Chain Gang, Twisting the Night Away, you know, Wonderful World. You know what I'm talking about? That type of deal. Um, The Chain Gang. Yeah, you better believe that. Hawksaw usually caught on a chain gang. Oh, I'm on a chain gang right now. Right now we got him on on work release. So (laughs) cool. Um, but yeah, gigantic superstar when it comes to music, you know what I mean? Um, an activist in his own right too. got a lot of support for that. You know, that a change gone come song that he did is got to be one of probably top three activist songs, you know, that I can think of, of just huge, huge magnitude, you know, he's right up there with Marley when it comes to that activist music, I think, you know what I mean? But you gotta, you gotta love that. Um, just killing it. Oofka. So, you know, the, the in January 1960, signed with RCA Victor. Um, he was offered a guarantee, uh, offered to guarantee him a hundred thousand dollars by the label producers Hugo and Luigi, which at the time that's a that's a big chunk of change. You know, it's kind of pushing a milli. Um, it's kind of a big chunk of change now, but. Even back then, it was even a bigger deal, you know what I mean? Um, for sure, rising star, um, financially and talent, you know what I mean? I think that, you know, I think that kind of played into it. I think, you know, we were talked a little bit before about this before, you know, I think that the fact that he was on the come up, making so much money, being so popular and stuff in, this is a Mississippi, this is a, this is a, this is a Mississippi that people talk about racism now. You know what I mean? You uh, 
we're talking about some serious racism back then around the, these parts, you know what I mean? Which I think also, we, like we've talked before, I think that played a heavy hand in kind of what went down, what transpired with uh, Sam. Yeah. You know, yeah, did you want to add anything there, my friend? Uh, no, not uh, not a lot. Just um, unfortunately during uh, that time and also being in the uh, deep south like Mississippi, that yeah. uh, I mean, unfortunately, uh, I mean, as you said, I mean, we we still have the problem with racism now, and uh, and back then it wasn't considered a problem; it considered a way of life. It was just considered like you know, that's how things are. It yeah, was, like, it's, it's it's it was a dark and sad time back then. And then you have someone as gifted and talented as Sam Cooke, you know, starting to make waves and becoming a big deal with his uh, immense uh, talent. Unfortunately, you're going to have people that uh, uh, decide for um, decide to try to stomp out that talent. Yeah, I mean, you know, jealousy and bitterness and hate is a terrible thing for sure, you know. Yeah. I'm definitely burden on this world. Um, in 1961, Cook um, started his own his own record label, SAR Records, with uh, J.W. Alexander, who was another singer-songwriter at the time, and the manager, Roy Cran. Label was soon acquired uh, the Sims Twins, the Valentinos, uh, Mel Carter, and Johnny Taylor. Cook also created a publishing imprint and management form uh, firm named CAGS, K-A-G-S. You know, he was a real entrepreneur of his time. You know what I mean? He was really killing it. When you think about it, you know, think about where he was coming from with it and just being a musical artist that had that whole... You know, he was really kind of that first, I'm going to do it myself, you know, DYI. He's DYI to the fullest, you know what I mean? He's doing it big. Um, yeah. And that is, a, as we know, that's frowned upon in, in any type of business, especially entertainment. You know what I mean? It's one of those... It's one of those deals, you know, so like we talked about before, I feel, you know, we'll get into it in the later half of the episode, but all these are different, you know, play different parts into why uh, Samuel is no longer with us, Um, you know, so we'll go deeper, we'll go even deeper. So he's starting up these record labels, he signed to a record label, they gave him a significant amount of money, um... A year previous, which I don't know how long that record contract was for, but I assume um, longer than a year. I assume I almost feel like back in the day they'd sign you for your soul. They would sign every every last breathing day you have on this earth, as well as while you're in the coffin and your family's souls away too, um, and pay you nothing. You know, kind of like it is now a little bit. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I. I mean, of course, I mean, what what I do know is definitely, uh, and it's not just a case with music industry, but it's with all kind of industries that, uh, especially um, when those uh, that are in power with the production companies or the, the record labels and all that, where, you know, they get these young, uh, talented people 
uh, to sign these contracts where, you know, pretty much they sign over all their intellectual work and all that. And, of course, probably at the time you're looking at it, it's like, you know, I got kids to feed, I got, or, or, you know, just have to take care of myself, and it looks like a good deal. But, I mean, rule number one is whatever the uh, contract is, you know, what what you're making is going to be a lot less than what, you know, the – those who are holding the contract are going to be making. And especially with, unfortunately, with the way things were back and, and of course, all the record labels back at that time being run by, you know, uh, influential white men. And then you have this young black man who's coming up. And, of course, I'm, I can only uh, assume how they, uh, whatever the contract is that they, you know, made him sign that, you know, signed over a lot of stuff so that they had the controlling powers. So if he decided to, you know, leave and do his own production company, and even more, if he's able to bring in other talented artists like himself and do a uh, own record label, that not only would it uh, end up being a competition uh, for the original record label, but it's also taken away those that they would have, you know, um, exploited for their own uh, needs uh, and, and wants and, 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 and all that. So, I mean, I can definitely uh, see that if he started trying to do his own independent record label, that it would have definitely ruffled a lot of feathers of a lot of uh, dangerous and powerful men at the time. Alex, you know, I, I talked to the, the, the executives at Boombastic Films. They told me to tell you, let this be a lesson. Let this be a warning to you. Yeah, yeah. That you better pl- fly straight or they might catch you in a hotel <laughs> with, a, with a questionable woman around you, with you half-dressed. Me with a questionable woman? Oh, man. No, that would never happen, but they're trying to tarnish your name. They're trying to kill you off, tarnish your name. Boombastic, the executives at Boombastic are pretty harsh, cold-blooded individuals. (laughs) But, like, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll shoot you down in that that lobby, throw some drugs on you and money and cheap women, and then they'll release a new edition of DJ Stan the Man, an Alex Hogg memorial edition. (laughs) Uh, keep all the money. Ask Jertai. Ask the ghost. <laughs> Jertai. He's uh, he's in a POW camp right now. Uh oh. Paying off fava beans. Yeah. That's not good, man. We tried to put the guns to Ray over at Boombastic, but Ray had bigger guns. <laughs> but I wanted to jump into a couple personal. You know, there was some tragic personal things in his life that he kind of dealt with before we get into you know the big tragedy which, of course, is the passing. But uh, he was married twice. His first marriage was to the singer-dancer Dolores Elizabeth Milligan Cook, which what a name's that, who took the stage name Dee Dee Mohawk, which is very punk rock and I like. Oh, heck yeah. In 1953. They divorced in 1958. She was killed in an auto collision in Fresno, California in 1959. Although he and Dolores were divorced, Cook paid for his ex-wife's funeral expenses. She was survived by his son, Joey. I wonder if making her leave is cheaper than child support. 
1958, Cook married his second wife. And I only say that because if you're dealing with shady folks in the business world, it's quite possible you could have some shade on yourself. Um, his second wife, Barbara Campbell in Chicago, um, his, fa- his father performed uh, – in 1958, Cook married his second wife, Barbara Campbell, in Chicago. His father performed at the ceremony. They had three children, uh, Linda, born 1953, Tracy, in 1960, and Vincent, 1961 to 1963, who drowned in the family's swimming pool less than three months after Cook's death. His widow, Barbara, married his friend, Bobby Womack. Cook's daughter, Linda, later had an affair with Womack. Uh, Linda married Womack's brother, Cecil Womack, and they became a duo. Womack and Womack. <laughs> Me and Alex, oh, are changing, we're changing the name of the Boombastic cast to Womack and Womack. Um, this dude. Oh, well, what a, that, that's, that's definitely keeping it in the family. That's all I have to say. Yeah, what a dysfunctional type family deal. And I'm not throwing shade on anybody, but usually where there's where there's shade, there's darker shade. You know what I mean? There's trouble out there, you know? Yeah. And like, I, you know, he's the poor dude was either plagued with all this bad shit or like it just kind of he was within that world. You know what I mean? Uh, Cook also fathered at least three other children out of wedlock. Hopefully took care of them. In 1958, a woman in Philadelphia, Connie Boiling, claimed Cook was the father of her son. Cook paid her an estimated $5,000 settlement out of court. I don't know, maybe $5,000 was something in 1958. In November 1958, Cook was involved in a car accident en route from St. Louis to Greenville. His chauffeur, Edward Cunningham, was killed while Cook's guitarist, Cliff White, and singer, Lou Rawls, were hospitalized. So the dude kind of had some shit revolving around him that was kind of negative, but Again, you know, you can't, can't, it can't always be that person, but every now and then, it's just that person's a negative dude that has negative stuff around them. But I'm not saying anything because I don't know full facts. But you guys ready to pop into some of the the tragedy of the the death of? Oh, yeah. Hit hit me. Yeah, yeah, all right, I'll hit you. All right. So, you know, the, the before. Uh, this is the night before Sam Cooke died. On December 10th, 1964, Sam Cooke spent the evening in uh, Martoni's Italian Restaurant, a Hollywood hotspot. Cooke was a 33-year-old star with a new hit album, and he was instantly recognizable to many at the restaurant. That evening, Cooke wandered away from, the, from dinner with his producer to visit the bar, where he bought drinks for friends in the music business, apparently flashing thousands in cash. While chatting, Cook caught the eye of a 22-year-old Alyssa Boyer. A few hours later, the pair hopped into Cook's red Ferrari and headed down toward El Sangundo. Um, She has the look of somebody that could possibly like to get down with some street, street working, but who am I to say? Cook and Boyer ended up at the Hacienda Motel around 2 a.m., Known for its three dollars an hour rates, which I know Alexander Hawk can't get can't argue the beautifulness in three hour rates. You know what I mean? I can't beat that. Um, the motel catered to short term visitors. If you know what we mean, if you guys are catching our drift out there, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, are, you, are we talking about you know 
short in stature, or are we talking about just short time? <laughs> yeah, your boy Richard Dinklage. Is that would be Peter Dinklage, buddy. No, his brother Richard. <laughs> his brother I was Richard. trying not to. I was trying not to get sued. Oh. <laughs> at the desk, Cook asked for a room under his name, his own name, which is that's kind of questionable. Um, seeing Boyer in the car, the motel manager, Bertha Franklin. I wonder if she's uh, connected to Aretha Franklin, who, who got success off of him. I uh, told the singer he'd need to sign in as Mr. and Mrs. Within an hour, Sam Cook was dead. You know what I'm saying? So. We're going to go into what went down, uh, one of the accounts of what went down. According to Alyssa Boyer, Sam Cooke first forced her into their room at the Hacienda Hotel. She reportedly asked the singer to take her home. Instead, he rented the room and pinned her to the bed. I knew he was going to rape me, Boyer told police. In the motel room, Boyer tried to escape through the bathroom but found the window painted shut. Which ain't that that ain't uh, that's not Sam's fault. When she left the bathroom, Boyer found Cook undressed on the bed. She waited until he went into the bathroom and then wearing just her slip, Boyer grabbed the pile of clothes and fled. Um, a block away, Boyer pulled put on her clothes, pulled on her clothes, uh, abandoning Cook's shirt and pants on the ground. When Sam Cook left the bathroom, he found his clothes gone. Wearing a sports jacket and single shoe, Cook pounded on the door of the motel office where Bertha Franklin worked. Um, Is the girl in there? Cook yelled. Franklin later told police that Cook rammed down the door and charged into the office. Where is the girl? Cook demanded as he grabbed Franklin by the wrist. As the singer demanded answers, Franklin uh, tried to push him away, even kicked him. Then... Franklin grabbed a pistol. I shot at close range three times, Franklin told police. The first two shots missed, but the third bullet hit the singer in the chest. He fell back, exclaiming, lady, you shot me. Those were Sam Cooke's last words. Um, when police arrived at the scene of the shooting, they found the singer dead. Within a week, Sam Cook's death, the police declared the shooting a justifiable homicide. Both Boyer and Franklin both spoke at the coroner's inquest, where lawyers were reportedly only allowed to uh, a single to ask a single question. In- interesting. Um, what do you guys think of that? Where the you know the coroner by the coroner spoke to the coroner's inquest, where the cook's lawyer was reportedly only allowed to ask one single question. Very out of the norm, don't you think, boys? Mm. Not right. at the. I would say not at the time. Yeah. I mean, you just, if you're talking a time frame, there, um, you just had a black man who supposedly tried to rape a white woman. So it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get this over. Even with even with that case being what it was, with people knowing who he was, you think that that was that still brushed under the rug? I know oh, yeah. things, I know things were bad, but huh, I mean, yeah, I guess that would make sense. Terrible. Um, the evidence showed that Cook's blood alcohol level was at a zero point one six. His credit cards were gone, but he had over one hundred dollars in cash in his sports jacket, leading the police to conclude that Cook hadn't faced a robbery attempt. To the police, it was an open and shut case, but Cook's friends and supporters wondered if there was more to the story. 
you know, friends and family and fans always would, though. You know what I mean? You take, you know, there's always you, you always hear about certain celebrities that'll do something crazy, like beat up their girlfriend or something, and the people that like him are all like, "Well, he just had a bad day." You know what I mean? Though they'll, they'll make an excuse for it, which is terrible. It's funny though, because you'll see certain people that'll cut someone else's head off of the same thing. They'll they'll defend their celebrity doing, you know. Um, uh, cook at an open casket funeral. You know what I mean? For anybody out there likes to know that type of deal. Um, friends of Etta James uh, in Muhammad Ali. Uh, friends like Etta James and Muhammad Ali were shocked to find Cook's body badly beaten. James didn't see how motel manager Franklin could have caused such injuries. His head was nearly separated from his shoulders, James wrote. His hands were broken and crushed, and his nose mangled. A month later, police arrested uh, Alyssa Boyer for prostitution. In 1979, she was found guilty of the second-degree murder of her ex-boyfriend based on the record. Uh, Some pose it that Boyer had attempted to rob Cook, and it went horribly awry. Um, another theory, you know, they're, they're, so, well, we got, we got our theories. So let's, you know, let's, you know, one of his cook friends declared that they thought he was just getting too big for his britches, uh, for a suntan man, which, you know, that, that definitely played into it for sure. Uh, meanwhile, in Chicago and Los Angeles, 200,000 fans lined the streets to mourn Sam Cook's death. Ray Charles performed at his funeral. And a posthumous hit, A Change Is Gonna Come, became the anthem of the civil rights movement. So with that being said, I guess the best thing to kind of talk about is, you know, there's, there's multiple theories to what people think went down. So um, with that being said, you know, let's kind of pop into one real quick. And uh, we can start with the possibility of what they claimed of actually happened of being the truth, which is that he was just kind of got wild and was making a ruckus and went in there and they, they, they shot him out of, you know, what they thought was self-defense. You know what I mean? Now the way they're paying the picture, it, it could kind of, yeah, you could say, okay, he's half dressed. He's, he's, you know, with partying with the prostitute who's on who, who, who fleed the situation because the situation was too crazy for a prostitute. Now, you know, he's out there crazy, banging, drunk, banging on the door. Who knows what he was actually saying? He could have been, I'm going to kill you. I'm let me in there. I'm going to kill you. You know, you know, I, I ain't going to get caught, you know, um, who knows? I'm not saying he was doing that. I'm just kind of playing the devil's advocate a little bit for this one, but like he, he, the way that it was painted that, yeah, you could see, but it, it could have been a beautiful paint job, you know, like if you were, if you were planning to do this, to, to take him out of the picture and had time to like put together a plan, like you could, that would definitely be in the cards. I feel of part of it is you, you have to first things first is you got to put that person, put them, you know, for the people that know them, you got to try and put them in a situation of like, why would they do this type deal? Um, because they're not going to believe it. You know, you know people aren't going to believe it. So you got to kind of, put them in a weird place you know what i mean hey man i got a question now i'm sure um i'm sure you you said and and now the hotel manager uh that was another woman right correct okay so 
I, the, the thing about the story that doesn't sit right for me is uh, the description of the body. All beat up. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, I I I I know plenty of women that definitely could you know put up a good fight and definitely you know uh, take down you know a, a man, but that that kind of brutal beating, I mean, that does not sound like. I mean, even if the the two women themselves ganged up and started beating him, I mean, from the description you gave me of how the body was. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that two women did that to him. Well, that that kind of Ray, do you want to touch on that at all before we we jump into the other part that I know that you think it could be the, the hate thing? Well, I also think that uh, if he they found when they found him, he was dead. Yeah. If he took he took off his shot, if he took a shot and he was he was bleeding out, then you definitely could have them stomping all over him and stuff. Uh, After he was dead, you think they still would? Well, even uh, yeah. while he was dying, they're going to teach him a lesson. They're going to show this uh, show this guy what it's all about. So while he's dying, they they're pounding on him until he till their rage is gone or until um, he's just no longer breathing. At that and point, he, yeah. at that point, there he can't defend himself and do anything. So they can do a lot of damage and uh, let a lot of crazy out. Well, at that point, you could also prove that it definitely wasn't a robbery. I mean, but what I forget who the who it was there who who said that, but that was just kind of somebody's story. And again, I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm just saying that was just somebody's story. And could it be possible that the body just with it with what happens to the body after you die, <laughs> that it, it looked like it was just beaten up? I know that you do swell up and bloat, and you know. Um, fall apart, and I'm not saying that he wasn't beaten. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Well, if he's uh, if he's over there, and uh, if he's found a few hours later, he's not swelling up, bloating, or doing anything. He hasn't had time yet. Yeah. So yeah, he uh, if he took a beating, it's definitely the woman could have done it, but they could have they could have done it while he's bleeding out and he's down. Also, mm-hmm. there is the uh, woman who ran the motel. Excuse me. Not only was the woman who was with him a prostitute, yeah. the woman who ran the hotel was known as a madam that uh, ran prostitutes. She was a, you know, the old madam. Uh, current day, they call them pimps when they're males. Yeah. So yeah. there's a good a good chance that she and the prostitute knew each other. If you don't want looking at a setup, then yeah, they would they would work together on that one. Yeah, I mean, you come that the robber, them coming together to rob him was one of the claims too. And you, if you know, if she was a madam, then yeah, I mean, then you come into the whole situation of like, were they doing it just because they were just like wanted to rob him for the money? Yeah, or they do it because, you know, maybe he wasn't the best of clientele. You know, maybe he was like trouble, and they were like, you know what, enough's enough. Like his money's good, but his money can only. Why don't we just take all his money and fucking kill him? He's trouble. Like people aren't going to question it. You know what I mean? There's different reasons for doing, you know, things, you know what I mean? They can get in there. It could be a, a more of a, a stop the bullshit, kill him, or it could have been just, we want as greedy, want as money type deal. Um, I think it's definitely questionable if, if, if it was self-defense that he wouldn't have been beat, you know what I mean? Like his body wouldn't have been beat up. 
But that does bring in the question, like, do you think that to someone who doesn't see a lot of dead bodies, do you think that if there was a body that wasn't preserved, uh, it wasn't really well kept, maybe it wasn't beaten, but do you think that what happens to the body could, this is a Ray question because we talk about deaths a lot with mostly ghostly, but like, do you think that it, maybe they just seen a bloated body and thought that it was bruised or something? Uh, they, uh, to the untrained eye, uh, even... Let's say before he dies, he bounces off furniture and falls, et cetera. There's bruises, different things happen. Um, yeah, they can interpret it one way, and it's not necessarily that way. The other thing is you've got a couple of options also that um, if you take these two, and he was supposedly flashing all this money, uh, they're going to they're gonna take all that money. They're taking down a celebrity that thinks he's better than anybody, and right. you, add, you add in the second thing being black at that time they feel very comfortable doing it because they don't really care who he is i mean it's not like they're, they're trying to do something to sinatra yeah you know the white dude that supposedly knows the mob it's like no he's this black man he's got all that money he's a star we don't care he's a fool he came here let's take him yeah no it's dark it's, it's definitely some like dark shit but yeah, that right there, that, that, that ties in all three. There, there's still more, but that ties in three theories all together, which, you know, you have the, the claim of supposedly self-defense. And I'm not trying to, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. You know what I mean? Whether he was a great guy or a bad guy, he was he still was killed. And that's under very questionable circumstances. You know what I mean? Um, them, them, those girls just killing him to rob him. Um very, very, you know, very possible type deal. I think there was definitely some foul play um, at, at, at hand. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about just the fact of all the hate and the, where he was coming from. And at the time, and the fact that he was a African-American dude that was killing it, you know, starting up businesses, becoming more successful than, you know, Hillbilly Jim. And uh, Hillbilly Jim don't like that. You know what I mean? So, a lot of hate and bitterness and you happen to find himself in a situation where now you're, you're in, you're in Hillbilly Jim's local motel. You stopped into the wrong motel type situation. You know, there's somebody that maybe is a friend of a friend, you know what I mean? And they say, Hey, guess who's here? And they go, my boy, Sam's there. And they go, yeah, Sam, he's here. You're going to come see him. And they go, yeah, we don't come see Sam. We'll be over a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's probably something as simple and easy as that and awful as that, you know what I mean? But I think, you know, the, the hate of the time and, and the fact that he had all that money was throwing that money around, you know what I mean? Big target on his back. Cause not only did it, what was it the time, but now you put, you're putting yourself with like fucking probably killers and fucking drug, drug dealers, thieves, prostitutes, you're th throwing yourself in that circle of fucking people. They'll eat you up. They eat you fucking alive. You know what I mean? Like it, very dangerous lifestyle. It's uh, but even you know just being entertainer, doing the club circuit and stuff like that back in the day was fucking a dark road. You even got like like way way later, you'll hear you know, early stand up comedian days of people doing stand up with like mafia in places that it was just like you get like people dying, people getting beat up and fucking you know what I mean? Like it was just trouble. Like. Like, like some of that, the, 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 those after hours clubs were like big trouble and uh, the people you were rubbing elbows with and stuff. Yeah. Probably some, some of those folks you don't want to be rubbing elbows with, you know? Well, well if I, you, yeah, go ahead. 
Well, I mean, I, I was going to say that, I mean, another possibility yeah. I mean, is that it could have all been a setup to begin with. Is oh, that, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's been known to happen before where you have an uh, attractive looking woman who's a prostitute and she gets hired to lure the mark back to like a secluded area and then, you know, you know, shit goes down. And whether the initial plan was just to rob him, maybe rough him up a bit, and then the end result is they went too far and killed him, or the entire uh, plan was to kill him from the set uh, beginning. I mean, that's always a possibility. And then you have the manager who's a madam, and then you, of course, have the prostitute. I mean, either way, I mean, the two of them probably were working together. The only question is whether they were the only ones involved in the situation. Yeah, I mean, when he was banging on that door, he could have very easily been talking about how he was going to turn them into the police or something. So now, you know, you got this madam who runs prostitution ring out of there, who, you know, there's some heavies around that place that do her fucking head crushing for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Which I mean, I think most Alex mad- is going for. Yeah, I mean, most madams, I mean, I'm just assuming uh, back then is is not too, too different from now. But I know that, you know, it's not uncommon for uh, prostitutes and madams to have, you know, a few lugs around to, you know, make sure no one goes a little too crazy, too crazy with the ladies. So, you know, (laughs) Alex has had many bloody noses from those gentlemen. I broke my nose. <laughs> Alex knows all those gentlemen way too well. If Alex goes, if Alex gets found dead in a hotel lobby, uh, we can blame those gentlemen right off the bat. We know uh, who- it's it's Frankie and Louie from you know uh, <laughs> Luigi, <laughs> Luigi. Oh, yeah. yeah. If yep. you if you take the idea that you've got this black man up and coming, making yep. a lot of money, he's bucking the white establishment. Yeah. And if you talk music in Hollywood back then, you had a lot more mob involvement. Not saying right. there isn't some now, but you had a lot more there. For sure. Then, yeah, they can manipulate their people, the madams and the, and the prostitutes, to set this guy up mm. and to get, get rid of the upstart, get rid of this guy. And they'll be sitting in a black in a back room and they'll be saying, saying, should we do this? He's famous. And someone else will say, it don't matter. He's black. Right. And they wouldn't use the word black. They'd use another word yeah. from that time. And they say, well, it don't matter. We got the we we uh, got an, in on the police. There won't be a, much of an inquest or anything like that. Just get rid of him. He's uh, taking our money. Yeah, it's terrible. And we're talking about record labels, which have always been known to be the shadiest of labels, the shadiest of types. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, and I think that Sam Cooke almost falls into a category, maybe even like one of the earliest cases of the category of like a, a Kurt Cobain or a Tupac or a Biggie or Michael Jackson or, you know what I mean, of these artists that people, you know, there's theories behind the fact that labels were, you know, right, their, their record labels were, were had a hand in their departure because, you know, everybody knows that after whenever an artist dies, their catalog goes way up. You know, they sell a lot of records. Um, uh, and it's just it's like one of those weird deals It's almost like uh, like the last like you pull the lever for that la- the last time for the bank, the bank to open up, so to speak, with when you when you wipe out your artist. But, you know, he was not only was he get a, they were getting that money from that. 
but like you know, like we said, he was starting up his own record label and his own you know uh, management firm and publishing. So like he was definitely even if and he he signed a uh, signed the label with them a, a year prior before starting his own. So even though I'm sure he still was giving. Of course, he was giving time, but I'm sure he was even giving musical talent and, and, and putting in what the record label would consider their property was going into making this product that they're not making money off of. So, like, with that coming in, that's a problem. And it goes back to, like, what Ray was saying, with you, you've got this African-American dude that might not be, you know, society might not have been looking at them the way they should have been in that time with respect and... They're, they're, they're not digging the fact that he was killing it, dude. Like, he, he really was an entrepreneur, like, to the highest degree. If you really think about it at that time, like, it's it's kind of like what people are doing right now when everybody's trying to own all their stuff, you know what I mean? Because you sell all your art away, whether it be music or movies. You know, we talk about movies like this, too, because even, on, you know, on our, on our, our like, level of it, you know, you, you sign over your movie and, you, you know... DVD sales, unless you get a good deal, they're nothing. You know what I mean? It's bad news. Better off selling it yourself and getting the whole profit. But it's the same thing with that. So they're looking at him in a bad way, like, oh, even though they're making a gigantic amount of money, this greed, you know, and greed, you know, runs most businesses. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I think that my personal opinion is I feel it's more of that vibe. Um, that, 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 you know, there could have been like just beef behind the scenes. You know, he could have been approached by the record label and the record label was like, Hey, yeah, you're doing this thing now, but we own you, we own you with this contract. So like, where's our, we should be making a cut of what you're making off of these other artists. And he was probably like, no, fuck you. Like you can get my, whatever I release you guys get, you have, you own, but this other stuff's my other side stuff. You're not getting a cut of that. And that, that, you know, I'm sure, I feel like that's where the fr- fr- the friction started there. And it could have been planned out with that. Could, like Hawk was saying, it could have been a plan. You know, it could have been a situation where the record label knew sending him to that town to perform at that show was going to put him in a place where it was unsafe and he shouldn't have been. You know, it could have been planned out to a degree like that. You know, like I think a lot of when things like this go down, I think a lot of you know, different cards are played and they have to all be played perfectly for it to kind of happen. Yeah. And the record label, I think did play their hand in it. They probably were like, look, you know, they might not have been the one pulling the trigger or whatever, but they were like, Hey, this dude, we we're not digging this guy right now. Um, and you know how we, we're, we're not going to get our hands bloody, but what could we do to get rid of this guy? Oh, we can send him to this club and that club. We know that la- you know, last week, two dudes were shot at that club, you know what I mean? Or, you know, the, the trouble that re- revolves around this club, you know, every time somebody goes there, there's always some type of ruckus. And we know Sam's going to, you know, he gets like to have fun and gets a little wild and, you know, gets lippy, like throws money around, tell people to fuck off, says, you know who I am type shit. And we just happen to know that this town has the wrong type of people to tell, you know, who the fuck I am to. And they set it up like that. And then eventually it's just like Russian roulette. You keep spinning the fucking, you know, spinning the chamber. You're eventually going to catch a bullet, you know, literally, you know what I mean? And I think it's like um, the record label probably played in at least in that favor of it, if not even a heavier hand. But I think that was it. And I do think that 
what, like you were saying with the pro, with the madam and the prostitution, like both you guys were going with those heavies, probably came in and beat the fuck out of them. You know, they probably beat the shit out of them, then shot them. You know what I mean? One of those deals. They probably beat the fuck out of them. And he was so like, if he was drunk, was so like inebriated that he just was like, kept fucking talking shit. You know what I mean? And uh, they eventually just like, he talked too much shit. And somebody shot, they killed him. You know what I mean? Um, super dark. What you guys take? What, 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 what do you guys think the overall, who wants to go first? One of you guys. Well, well I, what yeah. I'm thinking about, about is two different things. One is that, um, yeah, if you know someone's weakness, like he had children out of wedlock, um, was also known to be a bit of a womanizer. So, yeah, you put him in a situation and you throw this prostitute out there. There's your bait. Yeah. You got him because, you, you know, I mean, if not that time, at least the next time, you know, one of these times he's going to take it and go with her. And as soon as as soon as he's with her, then uh, yeah, you got him where you want to set him up. You do what you want with him. Um, also, as far as people looking into it and taking it serious, whether it be the police, a coroner, or anybody else, um, his being African African American, I think made it very easier them easier for them to have it dismissed to for people to overlook it. Um, if you take that time going back to, <clears throat> I mean, if you take the late sixties, I was in high school and I made a big, big mistake. Um, I had very liberal parents and they didn't care, but I made a big mistake. I met a black girl that I really liked and we attempted to go out. No, 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 no. We started getting hell from all sides. Yeah. You don't, you don't have a white guy going out with a black girl in the, uh, in the late sixties in high school. It's like the world shut us down, which was too bad. She was a hot shit and I really liked her. Yes. Yeah, uh, but it, that was the world that, uh, the way it was back then you didn't, you didn't do that. And to, if you're talking to music industry and he's taking their money away, then yeah, he's disposable. Get rid of him. He's got our money and they can set him up very easily knowing what his habits are and knowing that they'll probably get away with it. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those crazy things, you know. And yeah, you know, he, the tortured artist. I think, you know what I mean. It sounds like he had some vices. A lot, a lot of tortured artists do. You know, you often see that. Um, and I think it was, yeah, a matter of they were just kind of looking for, looking for a way to clean up this mess, so to speak. And you know, they knew the deal. They knew put. He's got these issues. Put him in this place. You know, it's something I think happens a lot. I think you know. Uh, like a bigger business move on like big, you know, when, you know, somebody's an issue, they, 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 they find out what they're, you know, if they know they got, they just kind of let them finish themselves off. They figure out like what, what their problems are and increase like uh, the probability of those problems, uh, you know, devouring that person. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's drugs, they keep feeding them a lot of drugs, maybe tainted ones. Uh, what they, they find, they find a vice or they find a weakness and they play it till they get what they want. And if that means the person dies, well, then the person dies. They don't care. It's all about the greed and the money. It's true. You know what I mean? It's a crazy deal. Um, but yeah, the music business has been, the music business has been like the devil since the beginning. As far back as time, 
you know, it's always been, it's always been, uh, that was the first big thing, big corporation I ever, ever, ever learned to know that never to, if never to trust, if ever in a situation to trust would be any type of thing like that. It's, um, yeah, it's crazy. And yeah, it's unfortunate, you know what I mean? Like Sam Cooke, super talent. Like you go back and listen to those music, super talent. And the dude had some probs and, you know, I think he just messed with the wrong folks and the labels put him somewhere, you know, and uh, the wrong folks. And Hawk, what's your take on it? Well, I mean, the thing is, I think all those possibilities, are, I mean, it's, it's it's definitely obvious, uh, at least at least I think so. Listening uh, to everything, that what happened is not exactly what the uh, prostitute and the uh, manager said happened, yeah. because there's a lot of stuff that kind of contradicts the easy wrapped up. You know, now could some of that could he have been you know drunk and and gone a little crazy that's always a possibility that could be uh, a part of it that could also yeah, that could be a part of it but that definitely is not the whole story yeah i mean the, i mean the thing is that whether it is a combination of things like you said where the producers were getting tired of them uh they wanted to you know get rid of them but you know they took the the, the time to they know what his vices were, so they put him into situations that were hoping that his vices would just, you know, uh, take care of himself, or, or it was just that the madam and the prostitute, their initial plan was just to rob him, and shit just got out of hand, and he ended up getting killed, or whether their initial plan was to just kill him and take his money, or, or whether they were actually convinced by either the producers or another group of people to just take him out uh, for whatever reason, whether it was a race reason uh, alone or whether it was just a, uh, a money uh, a financial reason alone or just a combination of both. I mean, all that is possibilities. I mean, without actually being there and actually looking at the forensic reports and, and all that, you can't really deduce what really happened. You can only speculate. Yeah, and uh, and the thing is, unfortunately, I I mean, I wish we uh, could say that all this type of behavior is in the past, and and we don't have to worry about it now. Uh, but I mean, unfortunately, well, I mean, I do believe that we have made great strides in in trying to get rid of and 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 clamping down on on those kind of. Uh, situations, but unfortunately, I mean, as as recent events has shown us that you know racism is still a big issue that we have to, as a society, fight against and try to, you know, um, try to you know eradicate. But unfortunately, the the fact is that everyone's going to have their own deep seated, uh, you know, uh, uh, race, uh, you know issues with other people whether it's race religion or or sex or whatever i mean the thing is that i i hope that that as time goes on that we as a society i mean not just us but as the world as the human race 
that I, I hope that we get to a point where we just see everyone as, you know, you know, the same. I mean, we're all human beings. We all have the same, you know, triumphs and also our failures. And the thing is that it doesn't matter, you know, what race you are, what sex you are, what religion you are. We all have one major need and that is to you know you know live and 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 want to you know be happy and you know raise families and you know uh go forward in life and i'm just hoping that one of these days that uh we can finally say that something like racism is a thing of the past but unfortunately it's not and it's something that we have to always fight against now, the fact that he had over $100 in cash, but all his credit cards were gone, the police still uh, said that that wasn't a robbery attempt. I would say if the, if they were, if the cards were there and they're not there, that, you know, they would leave. It's part of the plan would leave a little bit of money, and he was throwing around thousands of dollars, supposedly. So. Well, I, I mean, I mean, the thing that I find interesting is the fact that only the credit cards were gone, but not really the money. Now, I understand. I, I, I mean, if if they don't want it to look like a robbery, I yeah. mean, but then you know, if they don't want to look like a robbery, they just leave all the stuff there. I mean, if if someone's going to now, I don't know exactly how um, credit cards and all that was set up during uh, during that time, but I mean, I would assume that if someone was going to steal from, someone would take the cash because the cash is, you know, you don't have to worry about someone, you know, canceling your cash on you when you you know you're using it. Yeah. So I mean, I just find that odd. I mean, like I said, I don't know. I mean, I'm just speaking from my knowledge of using credit cards now. If someone, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, if someone steals my credit, credit card, I can always there. cancel the credit card. But stealing your credit cards by leaving the cash, I, I don't know. There's something I'm missing there. It just seems yeah. odd to me. Ray Bootman, you could probably let me know about this, but I think he went out in 1964. Uh, Samuel went out. Like, were credit cards around in 1964? What's the story with that? Like, I don't even... You're talking about credit lines, credit cards. Yeah, existed, but not with the sophistication now. You couldn't go on... Like, right now, you you just tap into your... uh, Whether it's your phone, your computer, or whatever, and you can cancel something, suspend activity, uh, stuff like that. But uh, there was a time where if you had one and it was issued by somebody, let's say a bank, you had to yeah. go through the bank, you had to talk to them and they had to go through a procedure to try and shut stuff down. It was not as easy to shut it down when it was stolen. It wasn't, uh, it was a lot easier to use them. Yeah. Uh, if you stole them, there wasn't mm. uh, the safeguards that they have now, like chips and everything else. So yeah, it was a very different situation there. Also, if he was flashing thousands and then they find him with a hundred, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, if you take the ladies involved, using that word loosely, um, it's kind of like, okay, you get the credit cards, you get the thousands, leave a hundred. So it looks, it looks like, 
it looks pretty good. Just, you know, you get to keep the rest and use them. There's your payoff. You do this for us. But leave 100 there so the cops uh, have something to look at in his pocket. Yeah, because if, if you're throwing around thousands, you can only imagine what the bank account would hold. You know what I mean? That's true. Um, yeah, it is weird. But, yeah, you're right. It's probably just like a – it was like a, like almost like a library, like a, like a little index card with numbers on it. You would go to a bank. That bank would probably wire somehow to the other bank and say, hey, we got this guy here. Are you going to cover this money? They go, yeah, we'll cover it. And they give him the cash. It's probably one of those deals. Mm-hmm. And if they could get out, if the dude lived a reckless life, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's quite possible that somebody else taking out money for him isn't a out of the norm thing, you know? Well, the one thing I do remember early on was uh, they had this little machine. They would put a uh, put the card in and then put some paper which had uh, a carbon in between and they'd run it across, which would make a <coughs> make an imprint of the card with the account number, et cetera. And then they would have to submit, give you, they give you a copy, throw the carbon out and uh, have to submit that uh, for the payment. So, like I said, it wasn't the electronics of now. Right. It was very easy. Somebody could be in a back room with one of those machines starting to run up all sorts of charges and then just destroy the card. Once they're, they're all submitted, uh, by the time a bank gets to close something down, there's a whole lot of money gone. Oh yeah, and there's we're going like you were saying we're talking about a time with no cameras or anything, so it's very possible to find somebody that works at a bank that for a small cut would probably do whatever needed to be done. You know what I mean? Yeah, a very very small cut probably, especially when you're talking about big money like that. But yeah, I think he just kind of like I said, I don't, we, nobody knew him personally, but he he sounds like a dude that like to have a lot of fun and, and almost didn't care if you liked it or not. So he probably rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, he had his, his taste that he liked to, he liked to replenish his cup with as, as much as possible. Um, but with that, it comes a cost, it comes a, a, a feisty cost, you know, and he, he was in, in bed with a lot of these people that he probably shouldn't have been with. And he was, you know, the record label went from protecting their investment. To, uh, we could make more money off this investment if he was dead. And at once they kind of had that in their head, they were no longer out there. You know, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if at one point there was someone that traveled with him on the road to make sure shit like that didn't happen. And then once he rubbed people the wrong way, they were like, fucking pull Jack out of there. He's on his own. We'll see how he lasts on his own. I think it's a matter of that. I really think the label did have a heavy hand in it. And it, it, it did all come down to a matter of them just deciding one day we're not going to, you know, we're not going to protect this person. You know, they, when, when you hear about athletes getting in trouble, I, from what I hear, it's a lot of like, it's when they fall out of grace. You know what I mean? Like when they're, when they're in the graces of their team or whatever, or whoever's endorsing them, they're kind of protected. So the PR team cleans everything up. And like when they're no longer under that umbrella, that's when you hear about all these sex scandals popping off and weird shit that gets them in trouble. And it's very much like the same deal, I think, with the umbrella where like they just the label no longer found a use in a living Sam Cook. So they pulled back. They shut the umbrella on him. When they shut the umbrella, you get more than seven years bad luck with, in that case, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think it was a matter of that. And then he just kind of he was living 
it, 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 you know, to throw back to Sinatra walking around telling everybody to go fuck themselves because he had mafia behind him. Sam could, could have been living that lifestyle where he was still going around telling people to go fuck themselves, but now there is no longer muscle behind them, behind him backing him up. Now the muscle that was behind him, that used to be backing him up, he's saying it to, and now they're fucking taking his nose off his face and doing whatever the fuck they did to him that left him in the coffin, you know what I mean? But it's like, I think it doesn't matter of that. He just, he was like protected. The record label protected him. While they protected him, he went off the rails, was a lunatic, bad lieutenant style. Straight up fucking bad lieutenant style, and when the label, and then the, the 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 fucking bad the bad folks were just like, yo, the label's not here to pr- to protect you no more. You owe that money on that Daryl Strawberry game, and uh, they fucking blasted him in, in front of Trump Plaza. It was very with the times. They threw a Donald Trump reference in there because they knew they would be talking about it around this time, but I think that's what it is. I think that's like the crazy story. I think that was. I think I think we we, we mastered it, gentlemen. I think we kind of really figured out the deal, you know. And I think that the, in, it was a mixture of both. It was the record label pulling back the 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 safety cord and letting him just roam and fucking roam through Oz without fucking without Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion and Scarecrow to help him out. No Toto, and he, he found the Wicked Witch. You found that wicked witch. Two of and them he the didn't West. have a glass of water to dump on. He found the West and the East. And it was quite a problem. It was quite Yeah, a well, you know, if you if you're if you're the wicked witch and the wicked witch is the uh record label, then uh yeah, he ran into those flying monkeys. Oh my goodness. The, I I consider the the wicked witches were those were the prostitute and the fucking madame. That, yeah. that 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 tied up that the spiders that to- brought them into their web. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're low level. They're, they're they're the flying monkeys. They're low level. They don't call the shots. Well, they're the hit squad type deal. Yeah, yeah. it's weird, but I do think you know it could have been a little more. It could have you know that's just the surface of it. Of like the that's like the least corrupted part of it almost, where where you could actually intertwine them. Like, I almost don't know if they were in cahoots with the record label. That's a possibility that it was just straight up, you know, let them linger into the darkness without without the rope back. And, and they'll, they'll eventually get lost and never find their way. I think it was more like that. And then they stumbled into the Big Bad Wolf type deal, which killed them. But it'd be interesting to take that if like the record and it's very possible that the record label knew these people from that area and said, look, we want this dude dead. You know what I mean? Which I I don't I I that I don't know that quite I I lean more towards they just let him kind of wander into the darkness, um, knowing that the wolf was out there. Um, but they very well could have just been like hit, hit them up and been like, we need him not to come back from this trip, like fucking Goodfellas style. You know what I mean? You know, Nikki's taking a trip to Florida. You're gonna go with him. One of those things. Um, but. What do you guys think? Do you think it's more of a actor, more of a thing where it was he was just allowed to kind of wander and he got caught up in it? Or do you think the record label actually put out like a hit? Uh, me, I'd probably say that. Uh, and considering there's always layers to this thing, the people who run things try and keep people in the middle so they don't get caught. Is you could have a record label talking to somebody saying, and this could be the money behind them or the muscle behind them, 
and they're saying, oh, he's like, he's, he's, he's a big problem, you know, and they don't necessarily put out a hit, but they, they say, you know, it'd be nice uh, if I didn't have that problem. Yeah. And then the uh, people in the middle go, oh, yeah, that would be nice. They turn around and get rid of the problem for the label because it's these, this money and this power behind the label. It's taking their money as well. And it's kind of like the back of their mind says, okay, we're all on the same page. He's gone. Let's put him in a situation. Let him, let him take the bait. And then we'll take care of the rest of it. The problem will be gone. And everybody over here will be happy. Label and enforcers. It's cheap. And if you, if you can get, it's almost like reverse fishing. If you can just cast them out there into the world and let one of the <laughs> animals eat them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alex, what do you think? Well, I mean, I think all those are great possibilities. Um, I mean, I really think that uh, it could be, um, uh, like you guys said uh, earlier, with um, the fact that the uh, record label was getting tired of them, and they, um, I mean, honestly, listening to everything, I kind of put it towards more of the fact that um, the record label kind of pulled back, you know, probably the protective detail and threw them out into these situations where they're like, Anything can happen, and yeah, I I really don't. I mean, I don't know. May, maybe it's just me, but I think that it was more of that the madam and the prostitute were looking for an easy score. They found him, they reeled him in, and the thing is, it uh, and I believe probably the record label was getting tired of him, so they didn't have like you said, Jimmy backing them up or. They just were like, well, this is a rough neighborhood. We know how he is, you know, cast him out and let's see if uh, one of the animals, you know, t- takes t- takes care of our problem for us. I mean, especially during that time, I mean, it, was, it would have been re- very easy for them to just do that and just be patient and not even, you know, worry about trying to set things up and just, you know, pushing you know, cook into situations that they know how he is, they know how he acts, and know what what's probably going to happen if he's in certain situations, and just let you know nature take its course, kind of. I also want to bring up the fact that at this time, with as big of a company that that is, as Ray talked about before, with, with mafia getting involved with stuff like this, I feel like if the mafia was involved it probably would have been involved in the situation to a degree and if there was a big enough wheel like sam cook making that much money and those two prostitute prostitute fucking killed sam cook those girls probably would have disappeared like if mafia you know what i mean like if because cook was making serious loot so if the mafia wasn't in didn't give the okay or let it happen those probably those girls would probably be reading about how they mysteriously disappeared after the story too because He sold, this dude was selling millions of records. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, you know what I mean? Like that, he was bringing in some serious fucking money. Like when he died, yeah, they made more. But the fact they, yeah, it's one of those deals where it's like, that. that's in the pre-stages of the whole, like fucking kill your artist to make money thing where like they might not even have known at the time that, hey, we were going to make money off of this dude dying. It was like that pre-stages of it. So like, 
if if it was, I feel like if if, if it was like a murder, if they did, if it was, if, if if the label was not involved, which also brings in the funny thing of imagine if the label was involved but they didn't, certain people the label were involved and didn't tell everybody type deal, and then that created imagine the fun story that could you you could create with that, you know what I mean? Where where now you have mob people angry at studio heads because studio heads thought they were fucking mafia people and went behind their back to get a hit done type shit the um but yeah i feel like if the mafia were the mafia probably or the 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 the, the artist formerly known as the mafia <laughs> if they were involved in the music business around this time which i assume they would have been this was golden time um then those people just killing off one of their gigantic stars like that that there would have been a blood trail leading to and from that situation. I feel. What do you guys think about that? Um, I I disagree. Back in that time, yeah. Um, particularly if you were you were um, weren't necessarily part of it, but your whole existence depended on them. That was that was fair. Back then, nobody turned. Uh, nobody nobody sung. Uh, it was it was unheard of at that time. And if, if you were these people that uh, like a madam and a prostitute and stuff, and they put you in a situation that said, do this, you did it because you knew if it didn't happen, you'd be found in some alley somewhere. If you ever opened your mouth afterwards, you'd be found in some alley somewhere. It was a it was a different world that you just did not say no. And you did not talk about it. So it's very simple that they go through the layers from the decision person to the middle person down to the lower person. The lower person does it because they fear for their life and they uh, stick to their story no matter what. That's that was the atmosphere there. That was the way that ran. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I meant like like it wasn't I meant I meant in the aspect of like um, like the mafia didn't actually like they didn't put out the hit on cook you know what i mean like like they just killed him like i like 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 i was trying to say that like i don't think that the invo- i don't think that um like it, it, the take the aspect of like if the record the like record label wasn't involved because if the record label was involved that means like organized crime so to speak that was tied in it would be involved now, if you take that aspect and if they didn't know that that killing was going to happen and then that killing happened, the record label, a.k.a. organized crime, would realistically, if they didn't know about it, would probably send somebody down there to kill those two girls. Because it would wow. be like them cutting off their money because they just killed their investment. And they're not just going to, you know, the mob wouldn't just go, oh, I guess we just happened to have lost that million dollars this year. Not a big deal. They would go down there, figure it out, and kill whoever was involved if they weren't already involved with it. You know what I mean? So, like, that, I feel like the fact that no, none of those girls died, and we know that they didn't die because that would have been in the research that we did. You know what I mean? Um, maybe years later, but I felt like something like that. With them them being small potatoes like that, it would have happened quick. And who's going who's gonna, to argue if a prostitute dies like terrible stuff anybody dying but who's gonna say oh that's just you know wow like like it like it was a quit like you know what i mean like you can't argue the fact that it was it, it just accidentally happened like if so if she showed up in a hotel room because some john killed her you know what i mean very unfortunate thing but it's not 
uncommon or she, she they 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 drugged her up and she overdosed and they threw her body in an alley you know they're gonna say oh well you know bad reputation blah 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 it's a common thing to see you know what i mean um i'm surprised they didn't like disappear in that because you know their deaths probably could have easily been done away done and then like probably covered up in like one of those instances i just said right there like one of those circumstances they could have easily done that and who's really gonna investigate further or ask questions about that you know what i mean so i think that yeah yeah i i i agree but i uh what i do is i think that uh the the word was put out that it's okay uh yeah it had this guy can go it had it had to be okay and whether it was from the record label or from any mob involvement, someone gave the okay that this guy was now a target or could be taken down. If yes. they didn't actually say take him down, they say they could. You know, he's fair game now. And what I'd be curious to see is find out who was uh, working for the record label at that time in executive positions and then find out when and how they died afterwards. I mean, if, if you're talking within a couple of months with bizarre car accidents or something like that, it's kind of like, oh, they went too far when they did that. Yeah. But it'd be kind of curious to check that out. That'd be interesting. I don't think record people would die. If anybody, I think it would have been those girls. Because the record label people, I th- it's, all, it's all business relationships, like in situations with entertainment and like, you know, organized crime, so to speak, where like side people that get brought in and, and people that might mean something to the certain people that, that, that the executives might get hurt. But I don't think they'd wipe out an executive unless they were like a gigantic problem. Um, I think for the most part, they'd want to keep that relationship cool. And, you know, if there was a lower executive or something like that, and they, you know, the executives are really upsetting the mob side of things. I think that lower executive might, you know, maybe they'd get fucking brutalized or maybe dead if they, they need to make a big enough statement. But for the most part, I think that they're, even if there's not a mutual respect that the mob would have for those entertainment people, there'd be like a line that they wouldn't, certain ones they wouldn't kill, you know what I mean? That were higher up because they would serve the purpose of whatever function the mob was originally into it for, you know what I mean? Well, the, pur- the purpose, uh, no, whether they're a lower or a higher executive, is yeah. that they went, they went ahead and did this on their own. And you Yeah, that'd took, be an interesting take, yeah. Then you, you just took millions away, then a certain group's going to turn around and say, well, we can't have them behaving this way. Let's take that person out so everybody else gets a message that you don't do it again. And so that 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 executive goes under questionable circumstances and all the others say, OK, OK, not again. We're sorry. <laughs> that no, no, that sounds like. That sounds like the next award winning Cohen Brothers movie. <laughs> and I support the fullest that that to the fullest, complete, absolute fullest. Yeah, it's a weird deal. It, uh, but that, and then again, though, I, I feel like those Hollywood folk would be there'd be some of them that would get drunk with power and maybe like didn't wasn't um didn't Sinatra like get a little get out of hand with with some of the like organized crime folk like every now and then and get too lippy that have to smack them around I don't I don't I don't remember 
I thought I heard that before. Like I could see people get a little drunk with power like that, but for the most part, I feel like people are eyes down, yes sir, no sir, because they know how bad it could get for him. You know what I mean? And nobody really wants to stir the pot of that situation. Nobody wants to stir that gumbo. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's very interesting, and you do got the. You do got to almost play into the fact that, yeah, this is a time that, you know, organized crime probably heavily was involved with entertainment. You know, I feel like they still are. Why would you get out? Um, And who's going to push them out? Um, But like, even that they were more maybe behind the scenes than where, you know, can get away, you know, so they're more entwined um, and move. They're the movers and shakers, I feel, of like the entertainment business, the things that really made things happen when, when people didn't want to do things. I think that that's how shit really got done in certain situations. You know what I mean? Um, So I see them as one entity together. And yeah, I really think that, yeah, like we said before, they just kind of let them go into the wild. And then those girls got them. And uh, knowing that, they were letting letting them into the wild. I don't, they didn't hit them. They didn't like get killed for that reason too. You know what I mean? But I feel like that. That I think it's just more of this the the the, the label knowing type deal. And if you know, or, and if not knowing, at least saying you know, putting the bait out there, like casting out from the, you know, casting out the fucking bait, the fucking the chum right out there to the shocks, you know. Um, they probably the record label probably had a gigantic life insurance fucking policy out on them too. Yeah, they should look up that. I'm surprised that that wasn't out there. That wasn't brought up in the investigation when they found out there was a twenty billion dollar life insurance policy on Sam Cooke. An extra five billion if he happened to get shot in a motel lobby. <laughs> yeah, special clause. Either either he chokes on soup or gets shot in a motel lobby. Either either one of those two gets you that extra five mil. It was a gamble. They took it. They took the gamble. You could almost say, "Well, I wonder if John John Boy Lennon." I wonder if you could almost go back and say that he could have been popped. The record label could have been involved with him getting popped. All the we'll do episodes on all these folks in the future. Very interesting stuff, though. You know, it's money. Money is the root of all evil. It all boils down to money at the end of the day. It's crazy. So, so we've all kind of come to agreement on what we think happened. He just kind of was a dude that was out there doing it big, getting probably too wild in the clubs and then throwing around too much money, treating too many people like garbage. You know, he started up this company, these side companies that his record label didn't like because they weren't making a cut. They eventually pulled the strings on what, what they were doing the keep him protected while on the road and keep probably keep him from getting beat up fucking whenever he went out to the bars and clubs, they pulled back on that, left him in the wild and they just waited. They quite even could have possibly booked him in areas. They knew he was going to get fucking demolished and, and just kind of waited for it to happen. And it happened. And that was that that's kind of the deal. He just kind of, they let him roam and, you know, anybody else? Th- you want to add anything else to that? Or is that pretty much it? Yeah, nope. I think that pretty much is At it. that, it's it's interesting because by the t- we got to this. By the time we got to this, we almost kind of ruled out 
hate like uh, like racist groups like i'm sure there was some involved but for the most like it, it, when we started this like, like a racist like a, a group of just racist dudes that fucking hated him because he was do, do, they, doing a lot better than they were like in the beginning i was high in my mind of a good possibility and i guess it still is but i lean more towards this you know what i mean i guess the power and the greed of money is more powerful than hate I guess we learned something today on Sesame Street, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, it's dark, crazy, crazy world. And yeah, from, from the, I mean, from their point, the girl's point of view, you know, they, they were just too, they were just too kind of probably uh, troubled souls swimming in a fishbowl, you know what I mean? And, uh, they got him, played into the web. They got him. Who who's to say if 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 they were a high up if they were high up crime in their area? Who's to say if a call didn't go from their offices to the offices of the people that work with the entertainment folks and everything got okayed? That could have happened. If it did, it's possible the entertainment folks didn't know, but I think they did. So, you know, what can you do? But it's unfortunate. Sam Cook, super talent. Um, love him or hate him, um, died ahead of way ahead of his time unjustly. Uh, there's really no reason to get shot in the chest at a motel lobby. You know what I mean? There's and 33, dang, 33. That feels young. We're old. That's how old we are. That feels young. You know what I mean? But what can you do? Stay out of those, those bad clubs, folks. You know what I mean? And with, with saying that, we wish Alexander Hawk safe travels. <laughs> uh, we'll see you. Don't, don't, don't worry. I'm not going to be hanging out in any uh, dark, uh, scary clubs. At least that's not my plan. Don't be the bruiser Brody of the independent film world. That's all I ask. That's all we ask. And the podcasting world, too, of course. Of course, of course. Good man. We got a cat with us, too. I like that. Chilling. Cool cat. Cool cat daddy as well. Rest in peace, Sam Cook. You know what I mean? Uh, crazy story, you know? If you like what you heard, go do some research yourself. There's YouTube vids and articles all over the place. Um, and don't just focus on the negative. Pop on some of his tunes. Listen to some of that positive stuff while you're doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was a great talent that unfortunately uh, died way too young. And if he lived longer, I mean, we can only imagine uh, what great uh, songs would have uh, been written. But unfortunately, we'll never know. Well, the ones he did are just fine, just fine and dandy. If we could have played music, we would have played Summertime and uh, You Send Me. But we can't. So I, those two songs go out there, folks, and listen to them. And we're going to go listen to them right now because we're wrapping up the show. You guys want to say anything in closing? Uh, nope, I'm all set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 got, I got nothing to say other than uh, just uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm with it. And rest in peace, Sam Cook. We'll catch y'all on the next episode of Behold a Pale Podcast. I don't know much about history. 
Don't know much biology. Don't know much about a science book. Don't know much about the French I took. But I do know that I love you. And I know that if you love me, what a wonderful world this would be. Don't know much about geography. Don't know much trigonometry. Don't know much about algebra. Don't know what a sliding rule is for. But I do know what it one is to. And if this one could be with you, what a wonderful world this would be.